Go for it. Hello, folks. Welcome back to the RLS podcast. We're on episode uh, one week. I'll remember which episode I'm on. I'm on eight, 82, I think, um, just on the the new series again. And um, this has been a podcast that I've been, I've been kind of wanting to do for a while. And um, we... Sorry, I'm getting messages coming up on my screen. I'm the one making blunders here. Like the, I just got a text message from a client saying that he's not coming in tomorrow. Anyway, um, yeah, so this is a podcast that I've been wanting to record for quite a while now. And uh, we've had this in the pipeline and been talking about it like behind the scenes um, with, with Scotty. Scotty has been a client of mine on and off now for, well, not on and off. That's not true. You were in for two, two kind of stints. And um, there's a nice kind of story behind that as well as to where Scotty is now in his life and uh that's, we're probably talking like two and a half three years or something like that over the whole span of like how long scotty's been on the program and um scotty wanted to he actually wanted to do this podcast i have i've not coerced him i've not i've not forced him like he, he wanted to do this podcast because it's um i think there's going to be like a really nice message behind it and there's going to be something that will hopefully tackle quite a quite a big challenge slash problem in for for the surrounding areas with uh with mental health mental health is going to be the the topic that we dive into um in quite a bit of detail and it's just it's more so just about scotty's story his experience um and where he's at now some things that have helped him get through this kind of couple of tough years in his life probably more than a couple of tough years scotty to to be fair um and i obviously know scotty very well so i try not to speak too much in the sense of like he's my, he is he's scott he's my mate he's my client and i try not to, to i'll try not to make it too much like that i want you guys to obviously know scotty's story so um yeah scotty for someone that doesn't know who you are could you like introduce yourself in like a nutshell like age and stuff like that yes so uh for everyone that doesn't know me my name's uh scott wilson um i'm 25 years old uh i was born in edinburgh know that so yeah um just want to say thanks for uh ryan for inviting me on to the podcast um it's something i've always wanted to do even though it's probably one of the most things that i hate to do because i'm such a nervous anxious guy so yeah thanks very much ah, that's all good and uh like me and scott I've known each other for a number of years. Like we've played football together probably starting at the age of, I don't know, it must have been about like, I don't know, say 12, 13 years old or something like that. We must have been in the same team. Yeah, yeah, I think it was, yeah. Um, and there was actually quite a nice story as to kind of, you've went like almost full circle with your football, like, and just to give people a bit of background, like me and you played all the way up through boys club, like kind of right into right into junior football. Um, mm-hmm. And you've kind of obviously stepped away from football for like a number of years because of your challenges and the problems that have been going on. And uh, yeah. I, I'm sure we'll come to it in the end, but you've kind of got yourself back in now, which is and scoring a few goals here mm-hmm. there as well. But we'll speak about that later. Um, yeah. So, yeah, mate, in, in terms of like growing up, um, what were your like aspirations? Like what were your what were your goals when you were younger? Was there anything that you really wanted to do with your life when you were like growing up at school? Um, the, I, th- I think the biggest thing was to be a footballer. Um, that was always in my mind. I found that quite helpful, anxiety in that wise. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was always, it was always difficult growing up. See, thinking about, thinking back and thinking to it now, and like realizing like how anxious and shy and, uh, 
everything like that. That was it was it was difficult. Um, I was it, I'll go to the start when I was at when I was first born. Um, I was actually uh, born eight weeks early. Okay. Um, so basically, I had more chance of not making it, like than being here. Um, so I was in an incubator, had loads of stuff, uh, connected to me and stuff like that. Um, and then I managed to get home with my mum and dad, and then. I think I think this is where it kind of all started from. So when I got home, my mum, my mum used to say to me all the time that, like, I would just randomly stop breathing. I would turn blue. I wouldn't eat. I would be sick. I was constantly in and out of hospital. So that was kind of that was, kind of what I was doing for the first couple of years I was born. And then after that, I kind of, uh, well, I started nursery. And then I got kept back a year because I was so anxious and shy. I wouldn't really speak to anyone. I would always hide. Um, so that sort of thing was, was what happened at the very start. And then we actually moved to the Iowa Sky. And we moved there. And we, stayed, uh, we stayed with my gran over there. So I had to kind of adapt to life there. And I was at school there. I think it was for a couple of years or something. So that that was obviously really difficult, and then uh, ended up coming back home, and then yeah, just went through the schools, through the school, uh, through the years in primary, um, and that's when I got into football. And basically, growing up was just all football. It was all football, like it was day and night. Any time I could get out it was football. So yeah, that was kind of what was happening yeah. when I was growing up. Yeah, I mean, that's interesting, obviously, like, we're not trying to, like, psychologically evaluate anything on this podcast, but it's it's interesting that you've obviously had that, like, that deep thought going back to when you were younger about, like, mm-hmm. where could this have actually came from? Like, where did it originate? And I think that's one thing about anxiety and, like, these kind of mental, like, like challenges that you might have through your life, there, there can always be, like, an origin to them. And if you really think about quite deeply about it, or you get the, the help from someone to actually kind of mm-hmm. look back to where it came from you can sometimes begin to create relationships and understand okay that's maybe why I'm anxious because as a kid x y and z happened um, and I don't believe that is something that you should put on yourself to do I think it's something that you should first of all discuss with someone but like if you wanted mm-hmm. to actually get professional help with that sort of thing that's going to be really important um, and again like I'm in quite like a a unique position right now because I have known you as I've grown up and um, mm-hmm. I do it's interesting to think about that mate because I remember when you were like 15 16 17 yeah you were still like a relatively quiet guy but when you stepped on the football park it was complete opposite like you would yeah. be t- tearing yeah. the tackles absolutely smashing the people and that was kind of your that was kind of your style you're quite aggressive on the football park so it's interesting how you were like kind of a bit of a quieter guy off and then quite aggressive on yeah. the football park. Did you get something out of being on a football park? You got to kind of take something out? Yeah, uh, I'm not quite sure. Um, as you said, I was I was always quiet, like always, always quiet. And then as soon as I stepped on the football park, I don't know what it was. I don't know if it's just because I felt so comfortable because I used to play it all through growing up. Um, but yeah, I was on the park, I was shouting people, I would shout at the refs, I would go in for tackles and and like just basically a complete different person. 
Um, and then after the game finishes, when I'm off the park, I'm up to people and like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> so yeah, I, I don't, I'm not quite sure. I'm not quite sure what it was, but when I was on the football park, yeah, I was, I was completely different to what I'm off the park. I vouch for that anyway, mate. I've had a few ankle breakers off of you before. <laughs> <laughs> all in good spirit, though. Yeah, all in good spirit, mate. Yeah, and so. I suppose, mate, again, like a quite a quite a deep question and quite a kind of hard question to answer, but where do you think the first time in your life you really understood what like bad mental health was? What was the first experience you had and you were like, oh, that was a bit of a shit time? Mm, um well, thinking back, like I knew I was always like shy, nervous, and I I I knew I was, but I didn't quite understand what it was. It wasn't till maybe, I don't think it was primary school. I think it's when I went into the academy high school. I started getting panic attacks. And uh, I was like, whoa, I was like, what's this? And it kept cropping up at like, it kept cropping up at like maybe assemblies and there were some some classes only it would happen in. No other classes, just some. I think it was science. Um, I used to get really, really bad panic attacks, and uh, it kind of, I, I kind of realised from there because, like, I would go home and would tell my mum and dad, and there was a point where I was around, must have been around about, let's say, fourteen, fifteen. I went and spoke to a woman in our broth, I think it was, and she kind of explained to me, uh, kind of what's what I've got. As in, like you're anxious, panic attacks, and she kind of that. That's when I first kind of opened up about it. Uh, I was able to speak to her, and she was able to kind of tell me, uh, what was wrong and stuff like that. So I think at that time, that's when I kind of knew. Um, yeah, definitely from the panic attacks, and that's that's where it started. That's yeah, that's where it started. And then suppose, mate, like into your uh into your adult life, like what were the what were the things that you began to use as like coping mechanisms? Like, see, as you become like a teenager and that, like maybe like, yeah, like I know, for example, for me, it was like, I would just go out and just get absolutely steaming most of the time. And it was like, but I didn't think that's what I was using to cope with my, mm-hmm. my like stress or my mental health. Was there anything that mm-hmm. was a kind of a point where it hit that you thought, oh, I'm just going to start like drinking more? Yeah. So I was always, I was always like, when I was when I wanted to be a footballer, I was like, right, I'm not drinking, I'm not doing any of this. And then it's when I turned, I think it was 17, 17 when I first had a proper drink and I got the feeling of being steaming. And I was like, oh my God, this is, this is making me into a completely different person. I was like the complete opposite from what I normally am. So like this anxious, shy, can't speak to anyone. All this, all these panic attacks and stuff like that was all gone. I was the most confident person ever. Um, like I was able to speak to anyone, and it was just total different. And I think I got addicted to that, to that feeling of being normal. I all I wanted to be was normal. I, I just felt anxiety twenty four seven. So once I was drinking, it all went away. And from there, that that's that probably what kind of destroyed my football a wee bit. Um, I kind of just I I kind of just wanted to go out every weekend to get that feeling, um, that coping feeling. Everyone's got different different ways to cope, but for me, like that was 
that was mine. I would just go out, get absolutely bloated, legless, blackless. And then I would kind of deal with that on uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday when I was working, and then it would hit Friday again, and then I would just want that straight away. So that, at the time, I wasn't doing the gym or nothing. And that was, uh, yeah, that that was definitely my way yeah. uh, to coping. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard because it's, um, it's just like a vicious, vicious cycle. And mm-hmm. the more that you do it, the more you get addicted to the feeling. And the more that you do it, the more alcohol it takes, the more kind of like, it's just, yeah, it's a it's a never ending vicious cycle, and I think what mm-hmm. I've found from from like the research that I've done and from kind of reading certain different things is that the people that do grow up with anxiety and with kind of not being able to kind of cope with certain social situations, when they mm-hmm. get that feeling of oh god, I feel like I'm a completely different person when I'm on the drink. They did, yeah, mm-hmm. as you you kind of you said it exactly. They're like you become addicted to that feeling because it's the person that you think you want to become. And it's yeah. so hard to look at the long-term thing where it's like, right, okay, I could be the person I want to become through training in the gym, through working on my mental health and that. But that that takes a long time. So you think, I'll just drink at the weekend because that gives me it instantly. So it's that like instant yeah. fix that you chase. But we mm-hmm. know for a fact that it kind of spirals us kind of down the way if we do it too much. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's, that's another big thing. I, th- I think at the time, like, looking back, when I first started to do it, you you don't think it's like a long long term effect. Um, it's not till you actually stop the drink and you need to deal with without the drink. That's when the big the big big problem comes because you've been drinking that much every weekend that you don't you just don't know what to do. You don't know how else to cope with. Um, so it is it is a really 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 vicious cycle that's really really hard for people. Yeah. And then again, mate, I know these questions are all pretty like pretty raw to be fair, pretty like pretty tough questions to answer. But how did that then affect your your life going into your adult life? Like how how did that kind of how did that make it more difficult, like going into your adult life? Um so going going into my adult life, um I think from when I was like eighteen, maybe to twenty one, all the years I was just going out every weekend, sometimes Friday, Saturday. And it wasn't till it was maybe when I was about twenty two. That's when I first. That's when I met Ashley. Um, and that kind of changed me. But um, shit, what was the question again, Ryan? <laughs> yeah, sorry, mate. That, that's all right. It's just literally how the um how that affected you going into your adult life, like how that yeah. just kind of struggles. Uh. Yeah, well, that, that actually made it worse, uh, way worse. Um, like all, all the all the drinking and that. At at the time, you don't think it, it would, but as you're going on, like I, my anxiety got out of control even further. There's loads of different. There's loads of different anxieties. Like there's like there's social. There's like there's one where you go out and you don't think stuff's real. There's health anxiety. There's all these different types of factors, and I kind of got the whole bunch of them, yeah. Uh, at once, and that that was probably that's probably one of the most hardest times in my life, and that was going into my adulthood. Um, and when I when I met Ashley, and I had to kind of stop the drinking, and that that's when it affected me really bad, mm-hmm. and like, to the point where I couldn't leave the house, um. 
I was wanting to go to the doctors to get my bloods took every week because I thought I had like cancer, or, like the brain tumours or loads of stuff like that. I would make up symptoms in my head, so when I went out, I would feel dizzy and loads of stuff like that. I would go out thinking stuff wasn't real or I was dead, and this all came from. It obviously came from when I first had anxiety, but the drink and all that made it a lot worse long term. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. Yeah. So th that that was really really difficult. Yeah, mate. I mean, obviously, me and you've had a lot of conversations about like health anxiety and stuff like that, and how that can be so like what it can what it can do is it can manifest itself as like actual feelings. Like you th you you think something in your head, but then you feel something in your arm, and it's like Yeah. it's it's crazy how it really how it really works. Um, and uh, yeah, people don't under unless someone has been through that or known someone to go through that. I don't think they really understand, and they'll just go. Uh-huh. Ah, you're imagining it. Yeah, what are you on about? Like, Yeah. Yeah. you're okay. You're fine. But it doesn't feel like that when it's in your own head. It feels like something very, very real, um, which is tough. Yeah. Yeah, it's 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 really really it, it's just really, really hard, as you said. Like a lot of people don't understand it, but I think it's a lot more common now in anxiety. Um, and it's getting talked about a lot more, which is really good. But um, yeah, it's it's really really scary. Um, yeah, Yeah, it's difficult. no, hundred percent, mate. And um, I think like I've reiterated this like over and over again. Like, there's not many guys of your age, of like mine and your age, obviously, that will speak openly about this. And there's something that I kind of wrote down, and it's it's because I think guys, especially like I don't know if it's just everywhere. I think it's probably everywhere, but especially kind of around like our area, like there's this um idea that you have to be like this. alpha male like you have to be like show no pain and something that I think is really really damaging is like it's damaging enough to actually think you're that and that you can't show anyone your weakness like show anyone what's wrong with you but what's worse is like when you get into like a group of people when there's like three or four five plus people within a group and they create this idea that it's not okay to speak about that because ugh, just like just get on with it there's always been this narrative and it probably comes from like like you're your dad's granddad's granddad that they just had to get on with it because fuck they were fighting Mm. Yeah. war they were fighting wars and stuff like that Yeah. so like Yeah. what were you meant to do then you, you did have to get on with it but nowadays it's not the same because although there's war in the world there's not an, an, a direct threat to your life right here right now in forefront well maybe with this rain there is but um you need to remember that like you're not this macho alpha male right now like you can speak about your your problems and you can speak about your weaknesses because it's not doesn't make you any weaker actually i think what i think makes you weaker is if you actually have a problem and you don't speak about it i think that's ridiculous like why keep that pent up inside you um so i think like the next question would be man the natural progression would be like when was the point where you thought right like i need to get some help and where was your first place that you went to or the first person that you spoke to Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think. Obviously, I think like other it than got, Ashley. yeah, I think the point where I thought like enough was enough was when, probably when I was thinking about uh, killing myself. Um, I got to the point where I was I was struggling with a drink. I was struggling with anxiety. I didn't know what to do. Um, I tried, I tried once before, and. I was just like, no, I've, I've, I've got to do something about this.
Um, so the first person I really opened up to, it, it was Ashley. Um, and then probably my mum. Um, I kind of, there was just one day where I just explained everything. I was like, look, I'm, I'm going to need help. And I think that was the most important choice in my life. Um, like, speak, speaking about it, it's, I th you, you do, like, it's hard to say, just, in, in your mind, you don't want to speak about it. So, so there was a lot of times, like, we bottle stuff up and just not say anything. But when I first started speaking about it, I felt a lot better. Yeah. As in, like, kind of, like, just kind of, like, you're lifting some stuff off your chest at a time. Little, small, small steps. Um. So, yeah, I, I started speaking about it. And then Ashley and my mum decided to seek my help. And that was done at the doctor's. Um. So I was down there, I was speaking, um, I had to kind of deal with without the drink, which yeah, I'm, my brain's freezing since. No, mate, you're, you're, you're doing oh. well, mate, you're doing well. That's a, that's a hard thing to share, mate. I don't blame um, you for your brain freezing. Um, you uh, said that you'd like went to, went to the doctors and spoke about it a bit there. Yeah, so opening up really helped. Um. Also, like, it's it's hard because I'm not saying, I'm not saying like I went and spoke to somebody and then I was magically better. Like even now, like the place I'm in now is like one of the best places I've ever been since I've had anxiety. But I've I've still got it. Like I've, I still I still get it all the time. I've just got the kind of the correct tools to kind of deal with. In a way, um, still there's still some days that I I really really struggle, um, some days that I'm feeling amazing. It just all depends, but I think the most important thing is to speak, um, and that's kind of that's kind of what I'm trying to get across. Is as hard as it is, try speak like surround yourself and good people, um. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't even know no, what mate, I'm saying. Mate, no, mate, you've you, you summed it up very nicely, mate. And uh, I think, like, some of the conversations we've had over the years um, in person or, or on our Zooms that we used to do a while back um, was that always, like, when you have these thoughts inside your head, you, you actually, you're almost like speaking to another version of you inside your head. And I always describe it as, like, it's this wee monkey. It's this wee mad monkey that has a pair of symbols and he's just, like, poof, 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 smashing yeah, it together. Yeah, and you're trying yeah. to go, wait, we're thinking this wait what does this even mean and he's just like fuck knows don't know mental isn't it mm -hmm. like oh mm -hmm. maybe we should and then you just come up with wacky things in your head about why you're feeling that way so yeah. you need to almost replace that monkey with someone in front of you like because then what comes out of your mouth is what you're thinking and it makes sense so that person mm -hmm. if they're obviously someone that's a professional or someone that is just good at really good at listening um your the things that come out of your mouth are going to make so much more sense because you're not repeating them to this chimp inside your head and i just that's mm -hmm. i use that all the time but i think it's just so simple like don't speak to the chimp inside your head speak to someone out loud that and it makes yeah. so much more sense and you can kind of deal with your the way that you're thinking so much easier um mm -hmm. so mate yeah obviously we talked about the well you talked about the, the tools that you now have in your toolbox and I think that's a massive thing that people need to understand is that 
like you don't just and you said it as well you don't just fix your mental health with having one conversation with someone it's like it is a tool as part of a massive toolbox so what would Mm -hmm. you say like if you were to list like even i don't know three four five tools that you have i mean they don't have to be like individual things but anything you can think of Mm -hmm. what would they be um one would definitely be the gym um that's 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 probably helped me the most um to get the feel good factors to to get out kind of socialize um fresh air stuff like that so the gyms gyms therefore definitely up there were one of the best tools that i've had um i remember um i was speaking to one of the the doctors about the anxiety and she kind of gave me a sheet and it's a sheet and it's a thing it does with your thoughts so like when a thought comes in your head like it's it's up to you what to think about it so like sometimes sometimes I get thoughts in my head like just say I'm doing something and I'll get a thought in my head right and normally I would like overthink it I would you know, start going wild about it, but see if you see if it comes in your head and just say, right, it's there, and just kind of ignore it in a way, mm-hmm. and it kind of just goes away. Yeah, I, I kind of I, I managed to get that in my head, so that's kind of it's, it's a hard one to explain, it's it's really hard. Yeah, I get it, mate. but that, that, that was another tool that was really helpful. Um, off the top of, off the top of my head, I'm, I'm trying to think, it's just. See, see, like this podcast when anxiety, like myself, like I've got so much I want to say, mm-hmm. so much. But see when, see when I'm trying to say it, it's like it doesn't come out right, or and I'm a bit all over the place and stuff like that. It's just again, that's just part of the anxiety. Yeah, I mean, look, um, it's a massive, massive thing for you to to be able to do this. Like you're talking about yeah, yourself sure. suffering with anxiety, and you you're about to. And I'm not meaning to make it sound <laughs> yeah, more scary, but yeah. you're putting a podcast out here to the world like anyone in the world can listen to this which is a massive thing to do so it's another step forward towards kind of like working on that anxiety i would say yeah um i'm trying to think of what other tools really really helped obviously and speaking speaking whenever whenever like a thought comes in your head or you feel down it's important to kind of say to yourself right i'm i'm having a kind of off day i'll tell whoever that I'm having off day and just making sure you have that support around you. Yeah. That that that, that was really, because then you're not kind of by yourself and kind of thoughts are going around in your head and then you're getting in a state and stuff like that. So, so that was, that was another really good tool. Mm-hmm. Um, but probably the number one, I would say, has been the gym. Definitely. Yeah. And Definitely I think, the gym. I think, mate, as well, like with, with the gym, like, it's obviously it is the gym because you go to the gym, you trigger these like good feeling responses in your brain, and you walk out of the gym and you're like, "Wow, I feel I feel good." Like I've, I've anytime someone goes into the gym, unless you're on the air bike, you come out feeling pretty nice. Like you feel like <laughs> oh, I've actually feel better than when I walked in. Um, but uh, something I think that's that's massively benefited not just not just yourself, mate, but it's the gym, but it's also the mission and the goals attached to the gym. So it's the right next week. I've got one, two, three, four sessions to do. That's me. That's my focus. I've got that. If I have a shit day at work, I know I've got this focus of doing the gym. I know I've got this focus of going to football. 
Um, and it's the same, like, in three months' time, I'm going to try and set this goal. I'm going to try and achieve this. I'm going to get back. I'm going to be fit. I'm going to be playing 90 minutes. Um, and it's I think it's that, having that mission, that what have I got actually got to look forward to sometimes? Because it like doesn't matter if you're suffering with mental health or you're just Joe Bloggs down the road who's happy as Larry. Like, for you to have something to look forward to in the future, if it's next week, in three months' time, or in six months' time, that can be massively helpful for keeping you positive on a daily basis. That's something I, I think anyway. And I think it's something that you you basically work with anyway without having said it. Uh, yeah, uh, spot on. So um, I think going back going back to like kind of the drinking thing, kind of you looking forward to drinking and that. See, when you set yourself, like you, you deal with, with the drink and you set yourself these, these little goals and, and you, you go to the gym and you start getting good feelings and like you're staying in so like you're doing you're maybe going out for a meal or you're doing something you, you've got the things to look forward to so you're, you're kind of learning to deal you're, you've kind of learned to deal with without the drink in a way mm-hmm. so like you're getting all the good factors in you and you you do get there like as as hard as it is like I I remember I was like nah there's no way I'm getting out of this kind of hole I'm kind of stuck here and then now basically every day every weekend I've got stuff to look forward to I, I come home and see my family I see Olivia I see her happy so all these things have been able it, and it's not been easy like it's took me it's took me years and years to get to this point where. I could kind of deal with my anxiety and stuff like that. But, like, doing these little things, like, over time, it all kind of just clicks in, into place, yeah. which that's is, it. yeah, that's that's probably the best best advice. It doesn't happen overnight. Like, the, the stuff, it takes years and, not years and years, but it takes a, a few years to kind of switch yeah. from, like, the dark hole you were in to then start looking forward to yourself, start uh, making goals and, yeah, little things like that. Yeah, no, that's 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 class, mate. You summed it up very nicely, and um, I think it's uh, oh, Chris, I'm I've went mind blank now. I had something I was going to say. <laughs> I've had something in my head as well, and I've, I was going to say it. I must have started. I think that monkey must have started smashing his symbols <laughs> in my head. Um, but yeah, mate. That so like with with mental health, like I think it's not about say for example you were rating mental health on a one to ten, ten being um I'm at the end of my head or like I just I just don't want to be here. It's not a case of you. You're not going to take your 10 to a 2 overnight. You're going to take your mm-hmm. 10 to a 9 to a 8 to a 7 to a 6 and hopefully keep moving it down. And um, mm-hmm. you may have a day where that kind of goes up a little bit. But what you'll find then over time is if you keep working on it, you're you're going to float at the smaller numbers rather than go spiking up to the 8s and the 9s again. You're only going to go, oh, I've had a 4 today or we've maybe mm-hmm. scraped a 5, but you never go above that 5 because you've got the tools and the, you've got the knowledge in place to keep you out of there. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, I suppose, mate, again, it's like, it's just important for people to understand that like the things that can take them up to, so for example, for you, mate, like, and I, I know you won't mind me sharing this, this example is that mm-hmm. if you go out and start drinking, yours goes nine, like straight up. Yeah. And it's yeah. just like the feelings, although you have so many things to control it, they just, the alcohol just does a certain thing within your brain. It just goes boom. It's just way up there. So for you, mm-hmm. you know that alcohol is just really a no go unless mm-hmm. that, like, for that to happen. Um, and I think that's important for people to understand as well. It's not like an overnight thing. It's a, it's a hard thing because 
Yeah, mm-hmm. it didn't happen. It didn't, you didn't get there overnight, so it isn't going to happen getting you out of it overnight. Yeah, like it, it's it still come it still comes into my head now. Like times where I want to have a drink or I want to go out. Like you see all your friends doing stuff and you want to be there. Like it's not it's not a way. Like it's not it's it's always still there. But I've kind of got the tools to kind of deal with. But yeah. as you said, like if I go out, that puts me that puts me to nine ten. Yeah. Um. I think it's because like I used because because I used to always rely on it. That when it's there and I get that taste, I just want to go legless to to get all the worries and stuff like that away. Yeah, that's um, a major so, yeah. trigger. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's good, man. I appreciate that. So I suppose we've kind of touched on this already over the over the podcast. But do you have like any particular advice for someone right now that's possibly listening to this podcast? They might be from Forfar and they might have been in kind of like a similar position to you where they've just like for a lot of years they kind of bottled it up and hidden it with like drink and drugs and stuff like that what would you say to a person mm-hmm. like that that doesn't know how to start or any advice you had for them I would just I would say I, I, I want uh, people listening I want to give them hope that because uh, there's there's loads of people loads of people that's got like the same like the anxiety wise, but there's loads of different factors and anxiety somebody else could like but ideally it, it comes it all comes down to one. Like but what I would say is like to really speak up. Um like to not to not be embarrassed. Speak up, get good people around you and the main the main reason I've done this is to show you to show everyone that's going through stuff that it is possible to get out of that place. Um, like, uh, everyone's got different ways to cope. Um, I've kind of, I've kind of froze again. No, mate, you're, you're uh, all good. Like, you're, you're doing very well, mate. It's, uh, like, 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 I really, really struggle with stuff like this, so oh, mate, I don't mate, know, I don't you, know how it's going to sound. But... Mate, you've not struggled up to this moment, I promise you. It's been perfect. Um, um and... it's, it's, it's it's just like what you, you want to say stuff that like it's like your, your mind just goes all over the place. Like my hands are sweating like mad right now. Mate, completely um, normal. Yeah, mate. Like, like, so I, I, sorry, mate. I'll 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 just say this this wee bit. I think yeah, yeah. What's important for people to understand is like, and you've been very open to this point. Like, mate, you've not not in the most recent future been like been pretty low. Like, been like at a point uh, where you thought, fuck, like where do I go mm-hmm. from here? And mm-hmm. Mate, you can t- you've got yourself you've got yourself past it and you've got yourself out of it whereby you were probably in a mm-hmm. position that you thought well there's no there's no way out here like I don't know what mm-hmm. to do and mm-hmm. I think it doesn't matter if you're just like struggling a wee bit or you're at absolute rock bottom like you you should open up to that and you sh- it's not a case of confessing to the fact that you're struggling it's just get it out there into the world like tell someone mm-hmm. and don't mm-hmm. don't allow that to just be in your own head because it it just it manifests itself. It's like a, it's like COVID. It, like it spreads. It manifests. It spreads. Yeah. It goes into different parts of your body and your brain, and it just gets worse and multiplies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. I was actually. I was. I was going to say something, but I just completely forgot there. Um. It's hard, mate. It's hard. I'll ask you. My, I'll ask you my last question, mate. So, first one would be. Um, are there any charities out there that you've 
known that have like helped you or you know that are doing like good work in this kind of space i know there's obviously the obvious one in forford and um, you i think you'd went to a meeting with them the the other week who was that again and um, Man- oh, yeah yeah so that's yeah that i actually went to uh, it was a event at the retail mm-hmm. um that was raising uh raising money for andy's man club yeah. which is a place you could go down and uh speak and there's people around there that's it could be like in a it, it could be a number of things but like they're really, really nice and really supportive and you go down there and basically say whatever you want and it is a really, really, really good place. Really good place. Good, mate. Good. And the last question I have for you, I'm not sure if I even put this on the thing that I sent you, but like yeah. what are what are your plans now for the future? Like looking looking forward for your like for your family, for for yourself as well, like even for your, your comeback at football. Yeah, um, I'm I'm just looking forward to keep, like, keep going up and up and up. See what I can achieve, and from being so low, I kind of want to. I want to see if I can get in the gym together, um, obviously right back into my football. I basically just want my life back. Yeah, yeah. I just I just feel because that's what see the anxiety and like the mental health stuff. It's just take my life away, um. Yeah, it's it's too tough a way, so I'm really looking forward to getting stuff back and driving. That is something I would never ever do because I was too anxious to drive. So I've, I'm kind of doing that now. Obviously, the gym, football, on top of that, uh, like my family, um, Olivia, seeing her happy every day is just everything that I want. I'm trying my hardest to make sure, make sure she never feels like I did. So yeah, she gets she gets really spoiled on that. So yeah, that's kind that's kind of what my future is, kind of being with my family and kind of getting my life back. Mate, I think if you you can take a good few positives from going through that experience, is that you understand that now your kids and your obviously your stepsons and that as well. Like you'll be able mm-hmm. to kind of talk to them when they get older, when they're maybe feeling that way, and mm-hmm. mate, you can help other people around you. Like mate. I, don't know many other people that have like an understanding to what was going on in their head as to you do which which is crazy mm-hmm. as well because like you think like you struggle with something but you you obviously very much understand it well we have like pretty in-depth conversations about it quite often mate and I think yeah honestly through this just this simple podcast of how long we've been speaking we've been speaking about 35 40 minutes I just think like this mm-hmm. in itself is a massive thing for you to do and mate see see I've just See if the suspicion of even just one person just listens to this and goes, "Oh, mm-hmm. I should probably speak to someone, or I should go down to Andy's man club, or I should give someone a message, tell mm-hmm. my partner, you've done your yeah. job, mate." That's a net and, of one yeah. one effect that you've had, which is the best mm-hmm. thing you can do. Yeah, and that was the whole goal of coming on the podcast. I'm not going to lie, like because I was really anxious, I I was going to put it off. Like I I didn't want to do it. Um, but I came on and I've, I've gave it my best shot. I don't, I don't know how it sounds. I hope it sounds all right to everyone. I probably jumbled up in some bits or stuff like that, but that's just part of part of the uh, mental health. And I'm sure people listening, it's kind of in the same kind of space, kind of understands it. Um, and just anyone that's struggling, send me a message. Like, like I'm so happy. Like, I, I really want to help people. Um, 
I've kind of that's all we're crying. I've kind of I've kind of got um really good understanding of it, and I I just want to make people happy. I want to help people. I want to make people aware, and just make people like you, you can you can do it. Eh? Like the yeah. stuff you you can achieve the goals, even though you're in the lowest place possible. Ever, you can get out of it, and you can get better. Right. Well. What I can say, mate, is you didn't stumble over me in many words at all. You <laughs> See, spoke right, very well, I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll be panicking about all this. I'll be like, oh, did I sound all right? Mate, honestly, I, I promise you, um, and I'm being absolutely honest with you, you did, comp- you did completely fine. You did very well, mate. And there'll be a lot of people listening thinking, sure, I could never do that. But that's the thing, mate. Like, I think that's a takeaway message from, from the end is that you think you can never do something, but the more and more you work on it, the more and more you kind of, like... I always like to use this little phrase like outwork your lack of self-belief or outwork your lack of confidence in a certain thing. And that's what you've done, mate, because you've put in the reps, you've been to the gym, you've spoke to people, you've been to these meetings, you've been completely honest about it. And Mm -hmm. you've now got, I think this is just a nice little checkpoint in the progress that you've made because if I asked you to do this two months ago, it would have just not, it wouldn't have happened. I wouldn't have even asked you at that point, mate. But you're in a really good spot now where you can progress mm. and you can say to yourself, you've done a podcast, which is not an easy thing to do. First time I came mm. on one, I stumbled over my words more time than a fucking pissed Irish man in Dublin. <laughs> so, yeah, mate, you did very well and I appreciate you coming on. Thanks very much. Good man, Sky. I shall end it there. <laughs>